What is going on? It is Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to hang out with Maris over Zoom video. Maris was born and raised in Masola, Montana, and talks about how she got into music. Comes from a creative household. Her mom uh, can sing very, very well. She actually got offered a scholarship for choir. And her dad's on the radio, which I could relate to. I thought that was awesome. Uh, Maris started to sing at an early age, as well as take guitar lessons. She talks about writing her first songs, putting out her very first EP, which she did totally on her own. She burned all the CDs. She made the cover art. She wrote all the tracks on the CD. And she brought them into the local record store and handed them a stack of 100 records. And they sold out of the EP, which is incredible. She was only 16 years old. Uh, Maris talks about moving to New York City, then to Los Angeles, having to go back to Montana during the pandemic. And that's when she wrote a majority of the songs on the new EP called Gravity, which also has a short film that accompanies the entire EP. So she talks to us a lot about that as well. You can watch the interview with Maris on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be amazing if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, it would be incredible if you follow us there as well and hook us up with a five-star review. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with Maris. Hi, Maris. How are you? Well, how are you? I am doing well. I appreciate you being so flexible and changing the time around. No problem. Awesome. Yeah, I had. Uh, it's been a morning with stuff mm-hmm. moving around, and yeah, and then I have to get my kid from school now, and yeah, it's been a whole thing. But I appreciate you being so uh, able to, to to change that around, and do this. No worries. Amazing. Well, uh, I'm Adam, and this is about you and your hi. journey. Hi, Adam. Hi, hi. Uh, so this is about you and your journey in music. And mm-hmm. we'll talk about the EP and the film that came out. I had a chance to watch it. It's really, really cool. Thank you. Thank you so much. I believe you directed it as well. Uh, co-directed, yes. Co-directed, um, wow. Yeah, I got to work with the amazing Carol Knapp on it. And uh, they're just really a, a great collaborator, but also a great friend, so... I feel super grateful for uh, how everything came together. Yeah, it looks awesome. It looks really Thank cool. You. So, um, first off, where were you born and raised? Um, I'm from Missoula, Montana. Okay. Um, so I was born and raised there, and um, yeah. And then I lived in New York. I kind of was like second raised, or I had like my second puberty in New York um, because I moved there when I was 18, and I just worked for like three years and was making music and things, but not as like invested as I am now. And then, yeah, now I'm in Los Angeles. So Amazing. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, Montana, what was that like? Um, I get asked that a lot, actually. Like people are always like, Oh, you're from Montana. What, what is that like? And I'm like, well, to me, it's normal. So I don't know. <laughs> sure. what, I don't know what is, uh, kind of not just the basic human experience, I guess, or in America, but, um, well, you've lived in it's, New York and L.A. I'm sure it's got to be quite different than that. That's true. That's true. Um, it's great. It's, uh, you know, people kind of everybody knows everybody sort of energy. Mm-hmm. Um, people wave when you drive by them. 
things like that. That took me a second to get used to in LA or like just in bigger cities that are not really a thing. Um, hundred yeah. percent. I moved, I'm from San Diego and I moved to Nashville mm-hmm. about two, a little over two years ago and everybody's waving. I'm like, yeah. I, like, at the beginning, yeah. I was like, what the hell is going on? Oh, uh, no, you wave at somebody here. They're like, what the fuck do you want? Ooh, am right. I like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. They're like, you wave at somebody here. They're like, what the fuck do you want? And it's like nothing. I'm just like, yeah. Trying to be friendly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I had that same perspective when I came here. I'm like, what the hell are these people? Like, what are you trying to get my attention? No, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but I love it. I love it now. I mean, it yeah. wasn't, it was just like, oh, I just had this, you know, wrong perception of what was going on just because I wasn't used to it. But uh, yeah, that's cool. it's definitely culturally very like Midwest, I would say where I'm from, mm-hmm. um, but it's technically Pacific Northwest. Um sure. But definitely also more conscientious of the environment in so many ways, um, just because like even in school, we're really taught like you respect the beautiful land that we have because, you know, we were given such a opportunity to live on a beautiful place. And um, here sometimes I get a little peeved. I would get peeved in New York, too. Just like litter bugs. Dude. Oh, Yeah. Litter bugs. No, no, no. <laughs> um, so I probably, I guess those are probably like the biggest differences. My whole family's in Montana. So, um, the part that I miss the absolute most is, um, just seeing my family. You know? Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. Uh, from, I've never been to Montana, but just, mm-hmm. I actually interviewed somebody yesterday that was also from Montana. Butte, what? Montana. Yeah. Oh, Butte. Oh, <laughs> and he grew up without electricity. Yeah, so, Butte, and he like, Butte is a, a very interesting dynamic place. Okay, he was telling me about digging like outhouse holes and stuff. I'm like, yikes! I'm from Missoula, so Missoula is like <laughs> quite different. different yeah, Missoula is uh, a little hippie kind of. Um, Missoula is like similar to Portland. Like people are always like, uh, "Oh, okay. Portland's like a bigger Missoula." Got so, it. But I mean, Montana itself is beautiful, so I could see why they would put an emphasis on, you know, the environment, not littering and all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, well, my dad is also um, like the radio show host of a hunting and fishing radio show called the Montana Outdoor Radio Show. He's the captain. Um, Oh, that's amazing. So I grew up with a lot of uh, awareness of just, you know, like even hunting in the way that my family has done it has always been about conservation and like we eat what we hunt and like... Uh that kind of thing. Um, so sometimes I have had a few like moments here with like, you know, just cultural cognitive dissonance of like, sure. yeah, I can be, you know, <laughs> that kind <laughs> of thing. but um, yeah, I guess that didn't really answer your question about what it's like. No, it did. A hundred percent did. I, that's cool that your dad was on the radio. I was on the radio for uh, over 15 years in San Diego and San Francisco. Yeah. Uh, so I love, cool I love the thing. radio. Yeah. The radio is great. I actually, my first job was interning at um, the local radio station when I was like 14. I was being like paid under the table, but I would just do affidavits. (laughs) Oh, no way. (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. Was it the music station or was it the one that your dad was on? Um, It was like, it was just like the, they they have just like a whole building that has every office. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yo. So I would bounce around and I would do like some outdoor stuff, but then there's like the rock, you know, like I, I don't even re- remember the acronym right now, but like KX. Oh, like call it. Yeah, the call yeah. letters. <laughs> Hard Rock, Montana. 
you know? Sure. Wow. It was it like through a bigger company or was it an independent station? I'm not sure, actually. Um, I mean, I haven't worked there in 10 years, which is crazy to think about. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, I don't remember. That's cool, though. Still, yeah. I mean, awesome. Well, uh, dad was a DJ or a radio host. Uh, do you come from a musical household at all? I mean, obviously, that's a pretty creative gig. It is. Um, I, in some senses, I do. Both my parents um, didn't go to college because they didn't see the, well, A, they couldn't afford to, but B, they didn't see like the point in like taking out a loan and like doing the whole thing. And um, both of them are very, very hard workers, honestly, kind of workaholics. So um, my mom's in real estate, but she used to be just like in advertising and they actually met through radio. Um, But I mean, everybody's pretty like, my dad is always making up new lyrics to songs. Like we talk about it all the time. Cause when I was little, he would always be singing like silly songs where he'd remake the, the lyrics. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. He, he, like parodies of stuff yes. that was on the radio. Okay. Yes. That's funny. And um, yeah, he loves words. So, and he can really turn on this like voice. So um, that was always pretty goofy, but uh, my mom actually has a beautiful singing voice and she used to like sing in wedding bands to make money. Um, and then, yeah, but she had to turn down like a choir scholarship because she just couldn't, uh, it wasn't feasible financially for her to like leave her family and go to a new place to go to a college for a choir scholarship. So um, she just had to keep working and waitressing and all that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, everybody's pretty musical. Like my little brother is super musical. He has great rhythm, great pitch. Um but even though every time I try to make him harmonize with me, cause I so badly like wanted to be in a family band, you know, that would be <laughs> yeah. it. But like, I'm the only person in my family that has pursued creativity in the way that like, I'm like fully committed and like have moved to a new city. I'm the only person in my family that lives outside of Montana. So mm-hmm. um, I feel like there's so much talent and like, I think my mom's really talented. My dad's talented and my little brother's really talented and my sister can sing too, but like, um, nobody's pursued creativity in the way that I have, which makes me feel like very fortunate to be in a position where I can. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, yeah. it's interesting that your mom was offered her scholarship, but it was for singing, right? You said she was mm-hmm. going to be in the uh, choir or yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. But it's like one of those things I bet you now, even now she's probably like, stoked she didn't do it right i mean what do you like you're putting all this money into it and it's like she still yeah. did the wedding band right and now she does advertising real estate like yeah <laughs> well now her, her constant thing now is when are you gonna let me sing backup i'm like girl get on stage like let's go oh there you go you do Put her on one of your records yeah i i really want to um she gets she gets kind of stage fright though i think um one of the nice things about performing consistently is like, you remember how much it really doesn't fucking matter. Like (laughs) all that to say, it doesn't matter like how you're perceived necessarily, as long as you get on stage and you get in front of people and you like make everybody as to the best of your ability, make everybody feel comfortable and excited and like, like they belong there. And like, that is what actually matters. Whereas, you know, the things that we get in our head about of like, oh, they're going to think I'm stupid. They're going to think I'm this. Gonna... It's like, that doesn't matter. What matters is just connecting to people. And so I think if she were to do it a few times, I think she'd step back into it and be like, yeah. oh. But... And chances are nobody gives a shit when they get home, right? 
Exactly. Like if you shank a note or whatever, about their they're own like, shit. Yeah. yeah, they're all about always themselves. About their right? shit. <laughs> yeah. They're yeah. worried about like how they looked in front of the person next to them, not exactly. the fact that you missed a note or whatever. Yeah. Um, so did you grow up then in the chorus choir or anything like that? Did you play piano as a kid? Like, how did you start off? Um, well, I've always been very like noisy <laughs> and uh, loving to make you know, hitting stuff and making rhythm and like singing all the time. Um, I would say probably just because like my parents sang a lot around the house. Um, I started to really enjoy it. But I think when my parents got divorced, I was like six and my dad like lived in the middle of nowhere. And my mom moved into, into the County. So like my dad lived outside of Missoula County and my mom like moved into the County. So when I was at his house, I was often just like, by myself like wandering the big ass fields and singing to myself a lot and um my sister i had like a cd player and my sister would burn me cds of like it'd be crazy it'd be backstreet boys and like the new Nicki minaj but then it'd be like oh there's like a random abba song and like that kind of thing and so she'd burn me these cds and i would just listen to them over and over and over again almost like developing like a codependent relationship with music mm -hmm. where it was like the only consistent thing that I kind of could turn to. Um, and so that is when I think I was like, okay, this is going to be a very intense relationship that I'm going to have for the rest of my life. Um, and yeah, then I, as I started to get older, like I took guitar lessons a little bit, but it was weird because like, like my mom would be so frustrated because I'd be in guitar lessons, but then she'd show up and the guitar teacher was just playing and having me sing. <laughs> oh wow like so she was like what the <laughs> fuck like you're supposed yeah. to get guitar lessons um so i started to learn a lot from youtube um and you know it's so easy to like go on uh what is it guitartabs.com yeah and, like, ultimate guitar tab or whatever yeah, yeah find the shape and just practice from there um and then when i was like 13 i started being mentored by a jazz singer um, so I would sing in jazz festivals and learn the standards, but also just developed a much healthier technique because uh, mm -hmm. singing would hurt sometimes before. And then I was in choirs like throughout school, but I kind of was always more focused on writing and making my own music than I was like being in choir or being in musicals or anything. But I love that stuff. Mm -hmm. so. And you started writing your own music right around that time as well? Uh, around 13, 14. Okay. Um, my first song was like, well, I've always um, made things up. Like, as I was saying, like my parents kind of did that. So I was always like just making up music and whatever. And the first time I ever heard myself back um, was my older sister, my oldest sister, Kelsey. Um, she was going to architecture school. So she got like the new MacBook oh. and she, it, or not Mac. Yeah. Like the, it was a laptop. She brought it home. And she was like, there's this crazy thing called GarageBand. Like, you know how you're always like walking around and singing? Like we could record that and like make an actual song. And I still remember the lyrics to the song that I wrote because it was such a visceral moment of like, oh my God, like I love hearing myself back. <laughs> and so um, the song was like, literally the lyrics were like, why would you do that? Why would you take my breath away? Like all this, you know, and I was probably Deep. at the time like, <laughs> like just walking around like th these fields and just singing. And so um, that was when I was like, oh, I definitely want to write. But then, you know, luckily I used to be pissed that my parents didn't make me a child star. Um, Cause I was like, well, I probably would 
have a little bit of a leg up if I would have started working when I was a child. But um, Mm -hmm. now that I know people who have been child stars, um, I'm actually really grateful that I had like an incredibly normal childhood of like soccer and volleyball and go to school and like all that shit that's so fundamental to like just experience as a right. human being, you know, and experience that community and the anonymity of being able to like move to New York city and like not know anybody. Um, but that's a whole other rant. Um, all that to say, I think probably like the first genuine song I wrote was like 13 and it was like um, about Harry Styles and nice. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's my man. There you go. <laughs> Today, hip-hop dominates pop culture, but it wasn't always like that. And to tell the story of how that changed, I want to take you back to a very special year in rap. 88, it was too much good music. The world was on fire. Fire, yeah. I'm Will Smith. This is Class of 88, my new podcast about the moments, albums, and artists that inspired a sonic revolution and secured 1988 as one of hip-hop's most important years. We'll talk to the people who were there. And most of all, we'll bring you some amazing stories. You know what my biggest memory from that tour is? It was your birthday. Yes, and you brought me to Sade, life-size cardboard cutout. (laughs) This is Class of 88, the story of a year that changed hip-hop. Listen to Class of 88 wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge the entire series right now on the Amazon Music app or Audible. I read that you had the number one EP at Rock and Rudy's. Yeah. That's a huge, that's a huge deal, oh, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, the funny thing about that is. Um, I don't even know what Rock and Rudy's is. Can you give Rock and Rudy's is a background? legendary Missoula record store. Oh, so okay. They've been there I figured forever. It was probably a record store of some sort. Yes. Um, they have a ton of other cool stuff there, um, but they. Well, not actually, it wasn't an EP. It was my, um, or maybe it was the EP, but I, I also, I made like, okay, this is a long story. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. So in high school, I decided that I would never be a real artist if I didn't make my own album all by myself. And so, um, I, every single day would get home from school and like, I wrote and recorded a terrible, terrible garage band album called of the sea because that's what my name means in latin and like to give you some context about the pretentiousness of high school me the first song was called principium because that's a lot <laughs> for the beginning like come on <laughs> but i had this like high concept i was like you know this is the album i'm making so i made that and then i would spend my lunches in my graphic design room like for the class using their photoshop to make the cover art and like then I got the template all right. And then I printed it out at school. Probably shouldn't have, but I did like, I, I think I made like a hundred CDs by hand. So I would like burn them by hand. And then I would write like all the tracks, everything on the CD. And then I had these like printed out CD covers and I ordered a bunch of clear cases from Amazon and I like manufactured them. And then I brought them to the record store to rock and Rudy's. And I was like, here's my CD. Can you please sell it? And, um, then the community ended up showing up in a big way. And it was like, <laughs> yeah, like number one or some shit. I was like, that's awesome. Though. That. 
Yeah. That's, that's cool that they were like, sure, we'll we'll entertain this little girl. Why not? Oh, yeah. And, and then you sell all of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm I'm from a family. I like as I was saying, like of entrepreneurs, people that are just like, I'm going to manhandle this shit into fruition. And so, you know, sometimes that's what you got to do. I'm now in the phase of my life where I'm trying to let things come to me and not like you know, strong arm, arm them into existence, but that's a little bit harder. I've actually found. Yeah. yeah. Instead of manifesting them, you're just trying to have them come arrive. Yeah. Just like let, let things come to you and not, I mean, I'm a, I'm a Virgo. So I'm a little bit of a control freak. Um, oh, didn't you, you would have just had a birthday then, right? Or about like yeah. I, I turned 24 on the 16th. So what is that? Like three days ago? Oh, happy birthday. My birthday is on the 23rd, which is like the either depending nice. on what calendar you're looking at, I'm either yeah. a Virgo or a Libra. You're a cusp. I'm like right on the day. Mm-hmm. That's Very crazy. Cool. Do you yeah. feel that? Do you feel that divide? 100%. Mm. Yeah. I believe in all that stuff, though. I'm really yeah. into like numerology and yeah. No, my friend Izzy's doing my birth chart right now. And I'm oh, like, really? Tell me what the fuck is wrong with me. <laughs> no. Um. <laughs> <laughs> right. But have you ever done numerology, like putting your name into the numbers and the code, the cosmic code and all that stuff? I haven't. I haven't heard of numerology, but I'll look into Wild. it. I love stuff like that. I love to try to find answers outside of. Um, yeah, it's really it's really cool. I mean, it's like. Numerology, OK. Yeah. You like put your name in and it'll, each letter represents a number and then you get like your life path number and your. Uh, destiny number it's and it's you can it's similar to astrology but it's even more like somebody explained it as like astrology is like the uh, like the little cousin Uh, something along the lines of like numerology is like there like more i don't know it's like supposed to be like the more concrete version and then of us i don't know Mm, it's really it will but it's really yeah it's interesting Uh, yeah Um, because i wonder it's just based off your name it's based oh, off your okay. your name, your birthday. Yeah, oh, it's basically okay. your name and your birthday, and it goes into numbers and what. Yeah, and it'll give you this. It configures this life path number for you. And oh, cool! And it'll okay. tell you everything about yourself, and you'll read it and be like, "Damn, this is pretty accurate." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn. Um, okay. But yeah, you should check it out. Numerology. Oh. But anyway, um, and happy birthday, and. So, happy birthday. oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forgot where we're going with this, but you had okay, you yeah, you sold the CD, sold mm-hmm. all the copies, number one CD, mm-hmm. Rock and Rudy's, and then that was at 16. And then you, you said you moved to New York at 18, yes. Okay, tell me about that. Did you just go there to pursue, <sighs> you know, art? Yeah, um, I had a lot of people saying like, okay, the two big music places are going to be LA and Nashville. Um, And some people were like New York. Um, But I just, I went to New York for the first time ever when I was in eighth grade. And we did like the, you know, you go to New York and you go to DC and you learn about the history of those places. And I just remember I was listening to um, the Arctic Monkeys album AM um, Mm -hmm. as the bus like rolled into New York and like the skyscrapers just kind of like almost they, they feel like they just appear. And um, I remember being like, Oh God, I'm going to live here. Like I have to live here. I love it so much here. And I just, I, I really uh, resonate with the pace and the directness of um, New York. And I also just love that like everybody's so busy 
building their own shit that they don't give a fuck about you. Like they don't like, you know, I, I don't know, at least in my experience, I, I felt like everybody's focused so much on their own lives and their own work and what they want to do that. It's not like you have to be like self-conscious about failing or anything. Cause it's just, everybody's failing upwards. And also like everybody you talk to has a job and here it's a little more like, you're like, Oh, what do you do? Like, Oh, I'm an artist. And it's like, that's the only thing you do. Like that's fucking crazy. Cause it's expensive out here. Um, uh, yeah, I was so- wondering if you like, cause I feel, this is only my own uh, experience. I feel like in LA is a lot more like that. You, they want to know what you do and who you are to see what you could do for them, so to speak. Yeah, I've definitely felt that. Or like you feel the, the uh, value is in, or like the currency is in who you know and like what, yeah, right. what you can do for somebody else. Uh-huh. I remember <laughs> I interviewed really somebody awesome. that was said that they were asked how many followers they had, like in a studio or like session. It was like, oh. and this guy's in a huge band and he's like, I don't know. On two hundred thousand, yeah, <laughs> <I mean. laughs> like, that's so whack. Oh, bizarre. Um, yeah. but yeah. But okay, so you moved to New York. Do you mm-hmm. are you doing music in New York? I was, I was, but I was also I knew. Um, and I remember like writing this in my diary because I, I keep like hella journals. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, I remember being like, I need uh, experience. Because like before I can write the things that I want to write, I need to like live in the real world because Missoula, Montana is a fantastic place to grow up and so many amazing people and so many things to to do. But it was like so sheltered. And mm-hmm. I just knew that if I wanted to be the kind of artist that I want to be, which is well-rounded and like, you know, an observer of h- human beings of all different kinds of walks of life and all different kinds of everything. And so I was like, I need to be, I need to put myself out of my comfort zone and like be in a position where I can really learn. And so um, I went with music in mind, but I had no plan or like trajectory in mind of what was going to happen. And I, I wasn't really even like in a lot of writing sessions because there's not a ton of like producers in LA anymore. Um, in New York, you mean in New York? Yes. Yeah. Um, and so the pickings were kind of slim when it came to like getting sessions and things, at least, especially for me at the time. Um, and then I just went to work. Like I, I worked at a market research facility, um, in Midtown and I would have like crazy long ass shifts, but it was great because I was like, you know, some of the people I was working with were in their fifties and some were in their twenties and some were in their thirties. And it was like a really eclectic group of people to have as reference points as I like made my way through the city. Um, and then, yeah, just for a long time, I just kind of, I worked and I made music, but I wasn't serious about it. I think partially because I was afraid of failure, like kind of like once you realize how hard it is, you have a fantasy in your mind of like, Oh, like, this is an embarrassing story, but just goes to show how little um, context I had for the music industry. Like my mom and I, um, I got asked to audition for American Idol. And Mm -hmm. so we like flew to New York. This was before I had moved there. Um, We flew to New York and did the producer rounds, made it through the producer rounds, so exciting, whatever. But while I was in New York with my mom at this hotel, my mom was like, you know what? 
we're going to take you to Columbia Records and you're going to sing for the people at Columbia Records and they're going to sign you. And I was like, okay, like 17. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Like, yeah, get and, this. That sounds like it, it works. Yeah, like that. that's how that happens. <laughs> sure. And so we went to the concierge desk and um, my mom was like, can you please give us the directions to Columbia Records? We can't find it on our maps. And the guy was like, okay, sent us to a fucking abandoned building in the middle of nowhere. So unsafe kind of mean but it was really uh like i don't know impactful (laughs) it was impactful because i will remember it forever where i was like oh shit does not work like that (laughs) (laughs) you cannot just like go sing for somebody and they're gonna sign you like that is so far out of how that actually happens um but i always i think back on that story i'm like it's so sweet and so naive and like so just like little montana girls like let's go get you signed yeah um, it's like the movies or something right like exactly. right, we're gonna go we're gonna be discovered in the lobby of columbia records yes they're i'm gonna go in there unsolicited and sing. <laughs> yeah and, just, and they're gonna be sing, like and they're gonna be like so damn this girl's a star uh-huh. <laughs> exactly If you're an independent artist, you may know the struggle of you got these great songs. How do I get them in front of record labels, radio DJs, get them on Spotify playlists? How does this happen? Well, friends, this is Adam from Bringing It Backwards, and I'm going to tell you about this amazing website called DropTrack. DropTrack will get you a free press release for your music with the new AI-powered PR agent from DropTrack. DropTrack has helped thousands of independent musicians actually get their music heard by connecting them with record labels, radio DJs, Spotify playlist curators. And now DropTrack is leveraging the power of AI to help you promote your music. It's super simple. All you have to do is upload your song and then DropTrack will write a professional personalized press release that describes your music all in just seconds. Then DropTrack helps you share it with the world. You might ask yourself, Adam, why do I need a press release for my music? Well, you need a press release because you need to be able to describe your music in words. You can send the press release to record labels or radio programmers, media outlets, and these industry folk and your fans will actually be able to read about your music before they even press play on the song. This will also get them interested in your music so they want to listen to it. A really good friend of mine's been an independent musician for a number of years, written so many great songs, but he's like, why do I need a press release? So I explained to him the importance of the press release, being able to describe the music. People know what they're getting into before they even press play. He drops his song into drop track. It writes this beautiful press release. Then all he has to do is just send it out. Super simple. What are you waiting for? Get a press release for your own song. Try it now for free at www.droptrack.com. That's droptrack.com. That's D-R-O-P-T-R-A-C-K, droptrack, droptrack.com. Check it out today. I had a few experiences that made me feel like, okay, I just need to get, I need to learn more. Um, and so worked and worked and worked, made music, played shows. Um, and then eventually I got to a point where like the last show I did was March of 2020. I think it was March 10th. I opened um, Brooklyn Bowl for Macy Gray. Um, oh, rad. I love the Brooklyn Bowl here in Nashville. I haven't been to the New York. But. 
I haven't been, I haven't been to Nashville ever. So I'll have oh. to find yeah. a way to get down there. I know. It is cool. There's a lot of songwriters here and, and producers. Yeah. No, that's what I've heard. And I've heard it's actually not all country. Like not I I was under the impression it was when I moved here, not mm-hmm. knowing much of anything. And yeah. There's definitely country roots here, but yeah, a lot of stuff going on though. That's a lot, cool. yeah, a lot of pop and yeah, kind of a smaller whatever. town vibe too, right? Mm-hmm. A hundred percent. But all the labels are here, all the you know, uh, publishers, everything. Wild. Yeah. I'll have to come visit. You're um, good. It's a great spot. Yeah. Um, um, so you yeah. end up getting to LA because, uh, like you said, you played the last show and was what COVID happened right after that. I would imagine. Yeah. Okay. Um, literally played that show. And I remember so vividly, I don't know what your recollection of this time period was, but I remember so vividly, like being like on the train and like people passing out or like hearing about people passing out or like I, at the time, I was nannying full time. So I was like the parents of the kids I nannied would come home and like take, they would like sanitize and like, yeah, they would strip everything off, the run the shower. Yeah. yeah. Like it was crazy. So I remember being like, okay, something fucking weird is happening. Leave your and Amazon then, box outside for like two weeks. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like just the weirdest shit. The weirdest shit. Sanitizing <laughs> all the groceries, like all these things. And so it, when COVID happened, I had to move back to Montana because I just could not, A, I couldn't afford to stay in New York and like uh-huh. not have a job. And B, um, it was just getting so scary that like my mom was like, I just want all my babies in my house. So like all my siblings and I just kind of, I mean, they already lived in Montana, but um, I moved back and was kind of, I remember at the the time being so dramatic as I am about most things, but being like, Oh my God, I've been castrated. <laughs> like, <laughs> I have to go back on Montana. I've been making my own in, in New York for three years. I've been working, blah, blah, blah. but um, it ended up being, you know, the reason I'm here today, obviously I think for most people with COVID, it was such a life changing. There was so much loss and so much, having to like rise from the ashes and like be like, okay, my entire life and so many people I love were leveled to like nothing. So Mm -hmm. how do I take all of this and like make something new? And um, yeah, then I started posting covers on Twitter again and just making like little songs again because I had nothing else to do. Also, I had COVID for two weeks when I was um, back in Montana. So I was like locked in my high school bedroom and mom would bring up dinner on a tray with a mask and gloves on, bring dinner up on a tray, set it outside my door and knock. And then I would go get my dinner. We would sit, she would like sit like six or seven feet away on the ground. And I would sit on the ground and I would eat my dinner like so far away from her. And then she would bring up a bucket. I would put all my dishes in the bucket and then she would like fill it with soapy water and like set it outside for like, just we she like did not we were like what is this thing like nobody wants to get right it. nobody knew so crazy right? nobody knew and um that's wild yeah but it resulted in I, i've written i like so many songs that kind of ended up being on the ep were oh, okay. from that circumstance like goodbye forever was literally because i my boyfriend at the time and i had broken up over text message because he was so depressed and I was so depressed and like he had to move back home and I had to move back home. And it was like, so sad and felt, 
I, I was just struggling so much with like letting go of things and letting things just like accepting the end of things. Cause you really can't fight something like once it's truly over. Um, and then posting covers again. And then my, my now manager hit me up and was like, do you have a manager? You should move to LA. And I was like, did they find you from a cover from Twitter? They- yeah. From, um, yeah. I did a cover of put your records on. Oh, you did. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So here we are. And now like, you're in LA over two, over two years later, which is crazy to think about. And so with gravity, you said some of those songs were written during that quarantine yes. time period. And yes. did you know, like, at what point did you realize, like, I'm going to make this into a short film? Mm. Well, I think so. I'm very like. Not nece- I guess kind of go big or go home, but I like to start massive and then be like, OK, and then this is what we can do. And then this is what we can actually do. And this, this is what we can do. So I've always like part of the codependent relationship that I have with music has been I will listen to music and I can see like the movie in my head of like what the song is soundtracking. Mm-hmm. And so with all of the songs on the EP, the first time I even heard the, or like, as we were writing them, I remembered like, Oh, I'm seeing the movie. And then it was like, okay, that's going to go in the EP. That's going to go in the EP. That's going to go in the EP. And then um, I started working with black box, which the label is called black house. Um, mm-hmm. And with their team. And they were like, we really believe in this, you know, visual, expression and so if you want to make a short film like we will figure it out funding wise and so then we yeah i just i had the opportunity to kind of do it uh it was over a stretch of like i think like a year and a half the videos were shot because it was like each video had to be cleared by itself budget wise and like direction wise um so i was gonna say it's it's got some pretty heavy production value i mean there's a whole video that's all animated or all like animation yeah so it was like um, quite the undertaking in a lot of ways. And also like my first time ever, I've always been like sticking a camera in my friend's hand and be like, hey, film me. And then I'll edit it, you know, <laughs> make a music video. Mm-hmm. But um, this was the first time that I had ever worked with a budget like at all. And so um, I had so much to learn, which is why my co-director Caro was such a valuable resource in so many ways. Cause I just had so much to learn about what actually goes into making a music video, especially on the scale of like how I envisioned things. It's so much easier to like have the vision of it than it is to like execute it logistically. Um, And so like with the heavenly bodies video, like I was like, I want to do a sci-fi. And that was actually the first video we shot out of the whole thing. And then, oh wow, yeah, the next year and a half was just like piecing things together and being like, okay, so in we shot False Idol before we shot Crashland, but Crashland in the sequence of videos comes before False Idol. So it was like, okay, how do we tie these together? What do I need to m- remember for the continuity? How do we, you know? And then we decided on the door because I was like, oh, I can walk through the door, and then all of a sudden I'm like in this eighties fantasy of self empowerment. That's like, I'm going to put on a mustache and become my truest. Yeah. Like a boxer. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, the, you know, the hero's journey, the like Rocky. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it was the, the craziest thing to get to make it. And it, it was so over such a long period of time that by the end I was like, Oh my God, we did it. <laughs> like, yeah. oh shit, I can't believe we fucking did it. Um, and the last two videos were the 
like lowest budget that we had for them was the last or the intro and the outro. So out of my depth and goodbye forever were like the last videos we shot and we had like not a lot of budget for it. And so we just shot those in Caro's bathroom with like, we had Graham Byers, who's the DP. And then we had John uh, Shigas that was the um, gaffer and like just everybody was doing a million different jobs and we were crammed into this bathroom and um yeah, we ended up making it happen. But I love I love scrappy things too. Like when you just by the power of everybody's passion, you can make something come to life despite all odds. So mm. I'll always be very like I cherish those videos. Yeah, no, it's a cool uh yeah, short film. And it's interesting that you said that the last the, the last two videos that you shot had the the lowest budget, but it, you you I wouldn't even thought of that aspect because it the way it starts and the way it finishes, it makes sense. Right. I mean, you're I think the first video you're like in the bathtub. Yes. And then at the end you're in the mirror and you're pulling off all the, the stickers and the makeup and yeah. stuff. So it's like it the whole the whole thing ties together and yes. it just happened to be like, oh well, we'll just shoot the beginning and the end in the bathroom. And it but then it, the way the whole storyline comes together. Yeah. It, yeah, well, it's really cool. I kind of thank you. Um I wanted to wrap it up in a way that mentally for me would allow me to move on from it. Mm-hmm. And if I felt like the the last music video was like hinting to something else coming or like it felt incomplete, um, that would bother me forever, um, especially because, you know, the next the visualizers for the next two songs are like they're kind of a continuation in some ways. Um, like I directed those by myself, which it was like so much more learning to do still which is whack as fuck because I'm like, how much fucking more do I not know that I don't know? Um, but uh, it was just nice to put a pin in it in the the sense of like, I always come up with a lot of, not always, I come up with a lot of my ideas in the bath. Um, and like, I have my notebook and I'll like put on a rom-com on my laptop or something. And then it's kind of just like a meditative place for me to just like scribble out any ideas that I'm having and so a lot of the videos were the the concept for them was me like dancing around my room and seeing the movie and then sitting in the bath and being like, okay, what are actually the like shots and what is the logistics of this? Like, how do I figure this out? And so I wanted to create uh, almost like a, like setting the scene because out of my depth is like the prelude of gravity because it's like, mm-hmm. you know, it literally is so straightforward. Like I'm 23 my stomach hurts. I have my dream, but what's it worth? And originally the lyrics were the capital, the bottom line, the stories that I can't find a way to tell because so much of fighting for your art is like trying to prove the hypothetical value to people who will give you the money to help you execute it and like the resources to help you execute it. And obviously like as somebody who's a a business person and a creative, it can be such a tricky dynamic to like find the balance of and and be okay with and you know um just exist within the world of capitalism mm-hmm. and um so i wanted to kind of set that scene and set that stage and then from there you enter the psychedelic like heavenly bodies you know you get done with the bath and then um which the projection on the wall behind me i edited that little like compilation together of every single other music video on the um ep oh i have to check that i didn't really notice it 
Yeah. Well, it was kind of, it was supposed to be like, I'm having the vision, you know, of like, what ah, it's yeah, yeah. and then I get out of the bath and then I go and I, I, you know, I fall asleep and I wake up in heavenly bodies where I'm pursuing a comet, um, as like this otherworldly attraction of like something that if I were to actually touch it and hold it, it would burn me up and eat me alive. But like, I want to, and I, it's caught like pulling me out of bed, this mystic power. And then from that, I fucking go to heavenly bodies and was a dream. I fall asleep on the beach, wake up as a cartoon, which was so cool because I sent them like hella, a lot of the like animation that you see in the back when there's cartoons going by. A lot of that is because I went through a period of time where I was like obsessed with um, public domain cartoons and like uh, royalty free <laughs> cartoons. Yeah. And um, so I went through like all these archives of like Gilligan's Island and Superman and like the original cartoons that are so fucking old that nobody can claim them as intellectual property anymore. Mm -hmm. And so we used a lot of those in that because I was like, it's ever since I was a little kid, I mention it in out of my depth, but like a routine of my little brothers and I um, is to watch cartoons. Like on a Saturday morning, we would get up and we would just sit with our cereal and just watch cartoons. And um, so I, it was very special to see a little animated version of myself um, come to life. Yeah. And then, yeah, it was like from there, waking up in New York City in Crashland, and then finally like destroying this comet that has been weighing on me this entire time kind of is like you know just a metaphor of any kind of toxic relationship where it's like up and down and up and down all the time um and then false idol is the finding the power in myself and like sometimes i think it's very natural as human beings like to pretend to be somebody else in order to figure out who you are so that was like the mustache thing. I was also like, I want to be a sexy, hot girl in a leotard, but like, I can't just do that. Like I, something about it has to have a twist. That's right. just like a little bit funny. And so that was where the mustaches came from. Cause I was like, I've always thought mustaches are fucking funny for no reason. And um, being like a sexy in a sexy outfit. And then you turn around and you have like a thick, like, mustache, yeah. <laughs> like that's awesome. Um and then, yeah, all of that led to Goodbye Forever, where I take everything off and then I get into the bath. Like at the end of the video, you hear the water running because uh -huh. I get into the bath and I start the whole process over again, you know. And then that way, mentally for me, I'm like, OK, that is a time loop. That's like a moment in time that will continue to loop itself. And it will be different, you know, through different iterations of what I'm going through, what I'm writing about, whatever. But at least that moment in time is like its own thing. And now I can move on and think what's next. I love it. Well, it's yeah. a great, yeah, great video. Great. Uh, yeah, Thank you. Storyline. And I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for doing this, Maris. This of course. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I, I'm obviously I will take any opportunity to talk about uh, my movie. <laughs> so, yeah, no, 100 <laughs> percent. Thank you for great. having me. Yeah. I have one more question for you before I let you go. I want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists. Oh. <sighs> Hmm. It's tough. I think something my dad always tells me, and this is what my advice would be. I, I feel like I probably have a lot that is just not coming to mind right now, but whenever I'm feeling woe is me and I call my dad and I'm like, ah, this is such a hard lifestyle, like whatever, blah, blah, blah. He's always like, well, you didn't choose an easy job. And I think that's just important to remember because 
if it feels hard, that's like probably right because it is. Um, but you just have to decide whether or not um, how hard it is, is worth the, like what you get from it. So um, uh, that it is a hard job and it's okay to be like sad that it's hard, but it's also like, if you're continually in that place, it's good to just be like, okay, I'm putting myself in this position. Do I want to be putting myself in this position? Like should music or should art just be something that I do for fun? Should I not try to monetize it because that's where things get tricky or if it's worth it, you know, if you really believe that you want a lifestyle that is making things for a living and like selling things for a living. Cause that's what being an artist is, is making the thing and then selling the thing then continue and it will be hard, but it will be worth it. Um, and B I would say in moments that it feels really hard and it feels like maybe it, it's not worth it. Um, reconnecting to what originally drew you to your craft um, is so important. So like the days that I'm like, nothing's working out and I'm so, you know, comparing myself to other people and I'm not doing all this and I'm blah, blah, blah. Um, I will just like put on like a karaoke on YouTube and just sing it and not videotape it and not like make it a content thing, but just to remind myself of like why I even started doing this in the first place. So those would be my two things. Mm -hmm.